everyone, Paige Harlock here from Canada's 2S LGBTQI Chamber of Commerce, also known as the CGLCC. Don't worry, Rick is here with us too. Hey Paige, great to have you back again this year. On the show this month, we have another great lineup of 2S LGBTQ founders. We're so excited to speak with these passionate entrepreneurs, diving into their stories and business journeys, and most importantly, honoring pride as a celebration of identity, culture, and contribution. Pride is a protest of historic and current discrimination and is a lived identity deserving of respect, rights, and equal treatment. We can't wait to share these episodes with you. A huge thank you to Paige and CGLCC for partnering with us to make this happen. Let's get started. Entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. On the show today, we're thrilled to have Ian Burns based in Kingston, Ontario. Ian is one of Kingston's premier drag entertainers, known as Rowena Way. Since 2016, he has brought his energetic, funny, soulful, and always entertaining performances across Canada, with talents ranging from live singing, dancing, fashion, hosting, makeup, and lip singing. He does it all. Ian's accolades include being the first drag queen ever pictured on an alcohol product sold in the LCBO, with his beer partnership, Queen of Wheat with Spearhead Brewing, and being voted Best Theatre in Kingston in 2021 and 2022. Ian is also responsible for multiple large-scale drag productions and events in Kingston. His shows have entertained thousands and enlisted stars from such television shows as RuPaul's Drag Race, Canada's Drag Race, and Call Me Mother, plus many local and visiting drag performers. Ian is actively involved in the Kingston community and with 2S LGBTQIA organizations across Canada. He has organized multiple drag queen storytime events in Southern Ontario to teach children and families about acceptance and equality. Ian has also spearheaded events for various charities, nonprofits, including Kingston Pride, Don House, Rainbow Railroad, the ISCWR, Trellis HIV and Community Care, and the CCGSD, the Canadian Centre for Sexual and Gender Diversity. Ian, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you here. It's great to see you again. Um, I know we chatted a little bit about this, but I'm really glad you were able to join the CGLCC at our summit this year. It's great to see you perform. It was so much fun to get to meet everybody and to get to perform at the first summit held outside of Toronto. Yeah, it, it was a big deal for us. So we really appreciate you coming to, to perform. And I think it really amped up the energy for the, the week. So I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Anything I can do. Um, so I guess just to start off, we asked all of our guests this questions to start off. What is the top piece of advice you would want our listeners to take away from today's conversation? I think that being a performer is like being your own business. You have to, from the start, do everything. And you have to build your brand and your business as a piece of entertainment. You are the quantity that people are buying you are that product and it's all encompassing you have to be able to do everything and when you can't do it you have to know how to outsource it and it's a uh, an interesting difficult but validating ride <laughs> i believe it can i follow up on that ian i'm just curious as to what part of the business of your art comes most naturally to you and what parts do you tend to seek help on? For me, 
I really enjoy the self-promotion, the self-marketing. I love, love talking to people and getting to know people. And when I'm trying to sell myself to, to businesses and bars and, uh, and even sometimes just to, to bachelorettes and to, to people having weddings, I, I really enjoy just sitting down and talking to people and getting to know them and helping them to get to know why drag can be a major, um, well, way to bring in money and a major way to uh, maximize your entertainment. And is, is there a part that, of the business that you don't like? Sometimes it's the accounting. <laughs> I, it's usually the accounting. I don't like. I don't like money management. I find it uh, very stressful and tedious. But uh, in the end, you have to do it because if you're not making money doing it, then how are you going to support yourself? Absolutely. Can you tell us a little bit about the beginning of your career and the beginning of Rowena? Of course. So I've always been a very artistic person. Uh, when I was younger, I used to act in musicals and sing and uh, play instruments and all of those things. Um, but uh, a few years back, in about 2014, I started doing my master's out in Edmonton, and I had absolutely no artistic pursuits. And I got introduced to drag by a couple of friends, and I then got dared to do drag uh, for Halloween. And so I did it, but I don't, I don't do anything halfway. I am very much an all out person. So I went out and spent way too much money on makeup and costumes. And I got into drag for Halloween where I dressed up as uh, a provocative Snow White um, for about 14 hours. And I kind of realized at that point that I put so much effort into this that and I was enjoying the process so much that I should try bringing performing back in. And so a few months later, I got my first booking for a performance at the local gay bar. And from that point on, I kind of knew, I was like, yes, this is for me. This is, this is something that allows me to be who I want to be, but also do all of the artistic things that I want to do. And in case there's someone listening who thinking of booking you. Tell us what a show is like with you and, and what is Rowena like? Uh, so I like to say that Rowena is a heightened version of Ian. Um, my, my personality is very outgoing, very social, very extravagant, but I also don't hold back. So I am very, very vocal. A lot of my jokes are off the cuff and very much on, uh, on a dallying and conversing with people nature. Um, so when you see a Rowena Way show, what you're going to see is a lot of mic work and hosting. So I'm going to talk to people. I'm going to make jokes with people. Um, I'm going to try and make people laugh because I think that's one of the things I'm best at. But you're also going to get some very dramatic performances, some very surprising performances because I like <laughs> to mix things up. Um, I'm sure Paige can attest to that. And, Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, I, uh, I like to, to dance and sing as well. So I, I try to mix it up. I try to do a little bit of everything. 
it's dramatic, it's fun, it's it's a great time. If anyone's thinking about doing it, absolutely do it. 10 out of 10 would recommend. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> and I know that um, there was a time when you kind of left Kingston because of there was because there was a lack of queer culture and celebration and community, but I mean, as we heard, you've kind of been a part of Kingston Pride and all of their um, events that are taking place now in Kingston, and it's even starting to influence neighboring towns like Napanee and places like that to host parades and celebrate the 2SLGBTQI plus community. How would you say you revitalize Pride in a place where it may have been buried or a place where folks aren't necessarily willing to to welcome it? I, this was one of the hardest things for me. Uh, when I left Kingston, I really did. I had given up on Kingston because I didn't feel like there was a queer community that I wanted to be a part of. And that was, uh, I mean heartbreaking and exhausting because as a young queer person, all I wanted was to find people like me that I could be friends with and communicate with. And I didn't realize at the time, but revitalizing a queer community is not about looking for the people that are there. It's about making yourself more visible so that others can find you and so that you all have this way of connecting. And I learned that when I was in Edmonton because rather than waiting for these people to be my friends, I, in the easy way of putting it, I went out and I put myself out there into the community and I made myself more visible. Did you find that nerve wracking at all or is that kind of old hat for you? You were comfortable doing that? No, it's very nerve wracking. I, okay. <laughs> a, I, I'm a very confident person. I, I probably, my partner would say that I'm overconfident at times. Um, I think he judges me for it. Um, I have what we call the gay audacity to believe that I can do anything. Um, but when you're putting yourself out there to a new experience, you're going to feel fear. You're going to feel like you're not going to succeed. Uh, imposter syndrome sets in, but you have to just push through and know that if you don't do it, you're never going to get where you want to be. And that's the goal. So at some point you're gonna have to give something up and really giving up on fear is only going to benefit you. That's beautiful. I, I would make that my life's motto, push past it. Push past it push past it, try something new. And if it doesn't work, the worst thing that happened was it didn't work and you get to try something else. Can you tell us about your drop-in show, Open Stage? Who's it for and why did you create it? So this, this is actually a really good tie-in. So when I moved back to Kingston, I came back with this knowledge that if I wanted there to be a queer community, I had to build it. And when I moved to Kingston, there were only five drag queens. There were no drag kings, period. There were five drag queens and one of them promptly left and I came in and I was the fifth drag queen. And having come from Edmonton where there are hundreds of drag performers of all different genders, sexualities, expressions, and just ways of approaching art, it was so strange to me to come to this city where it was tiny. 
there was one show a month, there was no variety in the types of performances. Everything was, we perform a song, we perform a song, we perform a song. And, (laughs) and I came from a place where you couldn't do that because people were bored of it already. They wanted mixes. They wanted spoken word. They wanted classical pieces that had no words to it, but a person was doing really strange ballet on the stage. It was just so many different ways of expressing drag as an art form. And so when I felt established in Kingston enough, I decided to create an open stage, which is essentially just a, an event once a month where anybody can come out and perform. You don't have to have experience. You don't have to have a set title to your art. You don't have to be a drag queen or a drag king. I just wanted to have this opportunity where new people could have the opportunity to try things. And it's been a huge success. And what would you say was the impact of that on the community? What have you seen? Have you seen changes? 100%. The, from those five drag performers that we had back when I first moved back to Kingston in 2017, 2018, we now have over 30 drag performers and we oh have new performers every single month. And what, what's, what's the, the mood like at open stage? Are people there to have a raucous good time or are they there to really nurse and encourage new talent along? It is extremely welcoming. Uh, everyone there is supportive and we promote that atmosphere. We, I've had since opening it, obviously I can't do it every single month. That's a commitment. But since opening it, I've had other guest hosts come in to help nurture the talent. And we try to create this supportive atmosphere where people feel like there's no shame in trying something new. And it's also been an opportunity for me to try new things as well. Do you find that, uh, that, that, that there is a tradition of leadership and mentorship in the drag queen community? Uh, There is. There is. The uh, drag community has what's called drag families. So traditionally for drag queens, you would have a drag mother and that drag mother would nurture drag skills and teach those art forms. So like makeup and contouring the body and how to style wigs and make outfits and how to be more finessed in your performance and they teach that to their drag daughter but we also have drag sons and drag siblings and people who are maybe not from an actual family but in the queer community our family are our friends in many cases because so many of us don't have supportive families and so we create those relationships within this community and are there drag mothers-in-law you know, I think there must be drag mothers-in-law, but I'm, I don't know of any off the top of my head. <laughs> I think that's an important niche, niche in the ecosystem. I, well, I am, a, I am a proud drag immaculate conception. Um, I do not have a mother uh, or father. However, I have lots of little drag nieces running around. I like to just call myself the auntie because I... <laughs> I probably, I'm probably barren. Who am I kidding? (laughs) (laughs) That's very cool. 
I guess, so as we already kind of talked about, self-promotion is huge when it comes to be a direct performer um, and marketing yourself. How have you found that? Has it been difficult? Has it been easy to, to market yourself? And what has kind of worked for you to get your name out there? I'm assuming things like open stage, but anything else? Uh, at the start of my career, it was much more difficult because I didn't feel like I had the confidence or the experience to approach venues and approach people and say, well, I am a good drag performer. You should book me. I will bring in money for you. And when I moved to Kingston and I realized that there was this opening, I actually started to reach out to other venues. And I was, I was saying to them, I was like, you know what is really big right now? Drag is really big. Queer culture is really big. And this is a community that we don't have in Kingston. We don't have a lot of representation here. So if you provide your venue to us to use for just a show, one night, we will sell tickets, no cost to you. And you can possibly get into this community that really, really needs spaces. And... I managed to do that at a few different locations in Kingston, primarily the uh, the breweries. So I've done shows at Spearhead, at Daft, at Something in the Water, um, three of three of the main breweries, uh, craft breweries in Kingston, and all of those had not previously held drag events, but now continuously hold these events throughout the year because they've realized that. Supporting the community is the way to go. And also, people really want to come see these events. And you mentioned Spearhead. How did you go about actually getting on the can, the bottle um, of Spearhead? What, what was that process like? So I did my first show at Spearhead back in February of 2019, 2020, 2020 um, right before the pandemic hit. And the something that Kingston was really lacking was all ages drag shows. So most events take place in bars or in clubs. And so people have to be 19, but we opened up the bar in the back in order to be able to allow families to bring younger kids to the show. And so we were able to make the show really big. And at the very front of the audience, there were two young trans children who had never been to a drag show. And the mother of those children was sitting there with the with their her kids and said to the president of Spearhead, I've never had the opportunity to show my children queer people. I've never had the opportunity to show my children people like them. So thank you for putting on this event. Thank you for having this and giving us this opportunity to experience this culture as a family. And so the president of the company got very inspired, this is Josh Hader, and he decided that he wanted to do more for the community. And so he came up with this idea of making a beer that would go to support a queer organization. Wow. And so they reached out to me and they said, well, what organization do you want to support? And also, will you be on the can? Because you were the inspiration for this. <laughs> and what did you say? 
And I said, yes, <laughs> 100%. Yes. You played hard to get, right? I played, I played hard to guess. I said, I said, let me think about it. Yes. <laughs> and the partnership was with the Canadian Center for Gender and Sexual Diversity, correct? That is correct. Amazing. And what's that been like? It's been, it's been wonderful. Not only, not only for my own brand and my own marketing, because my face is now on a beer can that's sold across Ontario. Um, but also I get to continue to create opportunities to make life better for people like me because the Canadian center for gender and sexual diversity puts money into education for, uh, adults and children on queer issues, uh, what it means to be a member of the queer community. Um, and also just provides programming all the way across Canada. So by doing this partnership, I'm getting to have an even larger impact than I would be if I was just doing these things on my own. Ian, we've seen um, drag shows and drag queens targeted. Are, are there people like that here? And whether you've figured out any kind of response or a way to help uh, change that conversation? I unfortunately have encountered that myself, uh, not in Kingston, which is, has been wonderful. It's nice to see that my own community has been supportive, at least visibly supportive. There are always people on the internet, but people on the internet hide behind the internet. Um, I have, I have experienced hate, um, at shows and, at, at story time specifically, but my response to them is just, you're not on the right side of history. What I'm doing is just teaching people that everyone deserves to be loved and that everyone, no matter how different, deserves to have an equal place and equal rights. And if you're on the wrong side of that, if you believe that that's not true, then there must be something wrong with your thinking. And the unfortunate thing is there's no way to correct this in a lot of people's minds, except for hammering home education over and over and over again. And so the biggest thing that I can do is actually have conversations with these people who don't believe that I deserve to exist, which is one of the hardest things I think that I could ever do and any queer person could ever do. But it's the only thing, no matter how many times you have to do it, that will eventually cause change. Um, but it's, uh, I think it's important to recognize that the issue is not that I'm a drag performer. It's the issue is that I am different and it's the same thing with the, the argument of about people being trans and that not being right. It's not because they're trans that people have an issue with it. It's because they are different than themselves. And if you're not okay with other people being different, then you're really not preaching love or promoting equality. And so you need to fix that. And I've got to ask you, what, what does your career like go? Uh, what, what does it look like going forward? Have you got a <laughs> five-year business plan? Do you have supportive uh, uh, 
people or teams uh, that, 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 you know, you're hoping to, to get somewhere with? I, so I kind of reevaluate this every, every once in a while. I, I mean, I don't have a five-year plan. Um, I probably should do that. I should, uh, I should do some strategic, uh, strategic planning and put together some, uh, some goals and missions for, for Rowena. But I, uh, I've started doing some more large scale shows. So planning bigger productions, bringing people to Kingston so that we have even more awareness of drag because every time I do a show, there's someone who comes to it who says, I didn't know that we had drag in Kingston. And I want to stop hearing that because it means that I haven't done my marketing well enough. It means that I haven't done my community engagement well enough. And so I'm trying to make it bigger and grander. And I want people to not be like I was when I was younger, saying, I don't know where the career community is. I don't know where I fit. I don't know how I can belong in this city and then leave. I want people to know the moment that they're here that Kingston is a safe place for queer people and that there's queer entertainment and that there's opportunities to get involved and to try out things and then hopefully uh, spread that further. Um, As you asked me earlier, what is it like knowing that my work with Kingston and Kingston Pride has been influencing other cities like Napanee? It feels amazing because I know that I'm having an influence on making the world better, not only just here, but the other places where I've extended my reach. You mentioned um, kind of being a beacon when you kind of come out of the community and are a drag queen or performer. Um, What are your top tips, I would say, for somebody who's potentially listening to this and looking to maybe become a drag performer or they feel like they're the only queer person in their community and want to be that beacon. What would you say the first step should be or could be? One, I guarantee you're not the (laughs) only person. You're not the only person. You are not alone. There are other people like you in your community who are doing the exact same thing, who want to find community. And so the first thing you need to do is just make it known that you're there. Either plan an event, post on a a chat group, which we don't really have anymore. Those kind of don't exist. But create, create some sort of way for people to find you and create a way for you to find people. Whether that's just stating on posters downtown that there will be gay people at a coffee shop on the first Wednesday of the month. Create an opportunity for people to come together. When, when, when I hear you say that, I, I'm thinking that, you know, um, people might be afraid to take that first step because they say, what if, what, what if we try and do a coffee shop night and nobody shows up? I presume, Ian, that, that, that you've had some moments like that, some setbacks. Uh, does it kill you and mean you're a total failure? Or is that something you can build on? It's something you build on. If no one shows up, you reassess what did you do? Where did you put the posters? 
maybe no one saw them. Maybe you didn't give enough notice. If you don't succeed the first time, you have to try again. I, it's, it's the most important thing about anything in life. Just because you fail once does not mean you're a failure. It just means that you didn't succeed. And there are so many more opportunities to succeed again in the future. Okay, Ian, the script says I'm supposed to ask you a closing question about whether you have any wisdom or words of advice for our audience, but I think you just nailed it. So if you want to take a pass, that's okay. <laughs> that's, that's okay with me. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. you. You're on a ter- tremendous journey, and it's been really interesting. Ian, it was lovely to chat with you again. I cannot wait to come back to Kingston to see you perform, but if you're ever in Toronto, let me know because I will be at the front of the stage. <laughs> I will, I will. And I'm hoping to to spread out to all of the other communities in Ontario and across Canada very soon. Please do, please do. All right, well, we'll chat with you soon and happy Pride. Happy Pride. Thank you for tuning into this episode. Don't forget to join us throughout June or catch up with all our Pride casts on the website this month. Diversity and inclusion have never been more important. Beyond these stories, be sure to check out Startup Canada and the CGLCC's Resource Guide, a new feature that includes expert knowledge, tools, and information at startupcan.ca. The CGLCC is proud to offer tools and programs to make Canada a more inclusive economy. Learn more about our supplier diversity program and out for business mentorship program for 2S LGBTQI plus entrepreneurs aged 18 to 39 and Rainbow Register, the only official accreditation for 2S LGBTQI plus friendly businesses across Canada at cglcc.ca.